0: Welcome to Truth Triumphant Radio. I'm your host, Cody Mori, And today, if you notice the title, I wanted to talk a little bit about the founders of the United States. And I wanted to talk about that in regards to really kind of to caveat in a way. Looking back from the French Revolution, where we looked at a lot of things that happened in the French Revolution, we saw... The Jesuits involvement there, the Illuminati involvement there, and the outcomes and what we can expect to see going on in our country. But I wanted to look at specifically some of the things surrounding the Founding Fathers in regards to their faith. And were they Christians? What did they believe? Uh, were they Luciferians? What What's, what's the proof? Because there are a lot of individuals especially seventh-day adventists i think seventh-day adventists more so than any other christian group uh, which is my christian group that i've seen where people make the claim that the founders were deists atheists occultists freemasons and luciferians the only other people that make claims like that are actually the radical left but they don't talk about the Luciferian part and the occultic part as much, but they do talk about DS atheism, and Freemasonry. So it's just kind of interesting there, but I just wanted to to take a look at some of these things, uh, because I think it's important that we have a balanced view. Is it important in the end what we believe on this, if we have a disagreement on this? Not necessarily, but what the reason why I want to bring this up is because I think it is, as Christians, I think history is very powerful. And I think history is very important. And I think we should remember uh, what God did in this country uh, back at its founding. And judging from what you've just heard out of my mouth, you can probably sense the route I'm going with this. I I do not believe they were Luciferians. And the reason why, um, another reason why I want to talk about this is because What you'll hear from Seventh-day Adventists, and I've heard it a number of times, is that all the American founders were evil, wicked occultists, and they're all going to be in the second resurrection. You know, they're they're evil, they're diabolical, and none of them will be on the sea of glass. So I just want to put things in perspective. So first I want to start off with matthew chapter 7 verse 1 through uh sorry verse 16 through 20 where it tells us how we are to judge people now remember remember it is not balanced for any christian to judge somebody on their salvation we can be fruit inspectors we can we can judge things righteously we can call out sin where we see it we can reveal it we can expose the darkness as Ephesians five, eleven says but to actually say this person is going to hell or you're going to hell or or condemning someone or or the opposite where you see this a lot too where people are you know talking people into heaven through the front gates when their lives look exactly the opposite it's not really our place not in this life anyway to to judge people on their salvation so silence is golden on on this rule in particular but I wanted to start off with a Bible principle Matthew chapter 7 verse 16 through 20 it says ye shall know them by their fruits do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits you shall know them. Now when we just take that that into consideration there, looking at the great majority of the founders not not really so much the ones that are highlighted in particular today but the founders overall what what were their fruits what did they produce well in the in the problem between them and Britain and the taxation without representation one of the things also that they were upset about one of the grievances that you can read in the original Declaration of Independence was that some of the colonies wanted to abolish slavery, and King George III said, "No, England is a is a slave country, and you're our colony, so therefore you will you will have slavery uh, in your colony." So some of the some of the northern colonies tried to abolish it, and they were forced they were forced back from being able to do that, and that was one of their grievances but when you read the declaration of independence and the constitution you can clearly see you can clearly see the principles of protestantism there now what produces that only only a christian can produce that because god doesn't god doesn't manipulate people he doesn't take his hand and force people to do a certain thing a certain way There's not actually one instance of that in the Bible. Even if if you look at Pharaoh, where it says that God hardened his heart, Mrs. White makes it very clear in Patriarchs and Prophets that God was giving Pharaoh over to the desires of his heart. He wanted to be against God. God just allowed him to do that. He gave him the freedom to do that. And so that was what Pharaoh wanted to do. So we can't use him. We can't use Balaam. Because Balaam, though he didn't want to do God's will, he wanted to, uh, he wanted to curse the Israelites because he wanted to make lots of money. He wanted the wages of unrighteousness, as Revelation says. But Balaam, again, he told Balak that I will not speak anything except for what God tells me to. So he was not an unwilling participant, in God's, uh, in God's prophecy through him as a prophet. He said, he agreed that he would speak only what God had told him to. So to think that God, with absolutely zero evidence in the spirit of prophecy and zero evidence in the scripture of any time where God has taken somebody and forced them against their will to do something, thats that's a... That is a satanic character trait. Satan is the one who manipulates. Again, you look at Cyrus. Cyrus, Gabriel was trying to convince Cyrus to let the Jews go back to their country. But he was having problems with him. So he asked, that, and then Michael came down, who's Jesus. You can read all about this in Daniel chapter 10. Michael came down and helped him convince Cyrus to allow the Jews to go back. So it was a convincing process. it wasn't a a God sticking his hand on his head and then forcing his him to do certain things. It was again God doesn't God doesn't violate free will so with absolutely zero evidence in the spirit of prophecy with zero evidence in the scripture it's really quite crazy to think that God would have these principles set up. In the Declaration of Independence, in, in the, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These are prince, these are Protestant principles. And God does, since God doesn't force people to do things, where did it come from? for those of you who don't know there was five individuals that were put to the task of making the declaration of independence and now those individuals were thomas jefferson who we find out after he died that he was actually the author he was the penman of the entire thing john adams benjamin franklin robert livingston and Roger Morris. So those five individuals, three of them we know, uh, two of them are are not as well known. But those are the individuals that came up with this. And and remember, the issue between them and England was about a nine-year process. They tried diplomacy for nine years, and eventually it came to them coming to collect guns, and Lexington and Concord happened. So and you see god protecting the patriots at every step they they should have had no chance no chance whatsoever to survive against the english and yet they did one of the times when washington in the in the very early on in the war washington had his troops over in new york and they were they were basically they were stuck they were at they were at the end of the of the area that that they had the the land the terrain and a great fog settled over the land so that you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face and the English thinking that the war was over and that they had it in the bag they decided to just wait until the fog lifted and then they would take take the rebels captive and win the war and the war well during that time frame through providence there washington got his troops out to safety and they lived to fight another day and we know the rest of the story from there and again i want i want to point out that god doesn't force people to do anything actually when he when he has in scripture He has done it to the enemies of God. He has done it to the enemies, to their own destruction. Such as when armies went crazy and started killing each other, like with the Midianites and Gideon. But he still worked through his people. You understand? He always works through his people. He doesn't do things uh, without without that element in there. And that, unfortunately, is why we're still here. Because... If the angels had been given the work of the gospel, it would have been completed by now. But because it's been given to humans and God waits for humans to complete the work, and we've been so negligent to do it, that is why. And this this is important to me for a couple reasons. Number one, this is important to me because it fits scripture, it fits it fits the characteristic traits of Revelation chapter 13 and the beast that comes out of the sea it has the horns of a lamb but then it later on it speaks as a dragon so the horns of the lamb are the are the Christ-like principles at its founding and the speaking like a dragon later on is the the demonic voice that comes through later and again you compare with you compare with France compare with the French Revolution They had something like nine or ten different constitutions in the first 60 years. The United States has had one constitution and the Declaration of Independence. They've had that as the law of the land for over 200 years, almost 250 years now. It's a long time. And when you consider it all, it's, it's a pretty impressive... It's pretty impressive that that piece of paper would last that long. So you ask the question, what about what about someone like George Washington, right? George Washington, and a lot of this stuff comes from different documentaries that have come out. One of which I want to mention because I really appreciate the work of this individual. Uh, he's someone who, although he's uh, keeping he keeps Sunday, um, he's somebody who I feel is a, definitely a true Christian and a true seeker of. Knowledge and history, and re- a good researcher. And his name's Chris Pinto, and he did a he did a video documentary, uh, probably almost ten years ago now, called "The Hidden Faith of the Founders." And he focused really on John Adams. He focused on uh, Thomas Jefferson. He focused on Benjamin Franklin, and then George Washington as well. And those individuals. He showed through the, a lot of their letters and writings that they had some, some very questionable beliefs on things. So no one wants to argue the point on individuals like, well, some people do, but uh, Thomas Jefferson, for instance, Thomas Jefferson, he said some some pr- pretty outlandish things. However, he was also the only president that I know of that that actually when, when it, official documents were signed it says signed in the year of our Lord he's the only one that I've ever known about that every document was uh, officially stamped with in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ so there's something going on there whether he had a relationship with God at the time of the Declaration of Independence and then had a falling out later maybe he came back again who knows Honestly, it's not my place to say whether the man's lost or saved. Now, someone like uh, Benjamin Franklin, he was part of the Hellfire Club in, in Europe, and he was a well-known womanizer. He's also a, a very smart individual, genius. Um, but also, with him, it's not very clear either, because in thinking about the seal of the United States, he's the one who came up with the original seal to the United States, which was not this Illuminati, Freemasonry type of stuff that we have now with the, with the pyramid and everything. But the original seal was Moses parting the seas, and it, it said resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. And you think about the American Revolution and the outcomes versus the French Revolution and the outcomes. The French Revolution, once these people, the Jacobins, took power, It was a bloodbath we saw that we saw the 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 reign of terror and then followed by the white terror and all these wars and all these things going on it's not the same with the United States with the United States other than there's there's problems with the nation in in regards to slavery clearly some problems there and some problems with different treaties being violated with the Native Americans serious problems there Uh, but none of that's none of that's perfectly clear Well, the I think the slavery thing is but none of its perfectly clear as far as with the dealings with the Native Americans many times it was a back-and-forth thing sometimes with them though I would say overall America failed in their relations with the Native Americans so you can but you compare Was there a bloodbath? Was there there people slaughtering each other? Was America seeking to pick fights and going to war with other nations? No, they weren't. They weren't doing that. France was doing that. America was not. France led to an oligarchy followed by a dictatorship. America, the principles at its founding, stood strong. And even the person who could have taken power which was George Washington, he refused. And he handed back over power officially to the Congress of the United States so that they could they could uh, start coming up with the Constitution. And even Franklin. Franklin, in the beginning of the Constitutional Convention, it was his idea to pray to God before they started their congressional meetings so that they could come up with the, the best possible government, Uh, And they needed God's help, and he knew that. Now, again, do I think I'll see uh, Benjamin Franklin on the Sea of Glass? No, not necessarily. Um, I really don't know in the end, but judging, judging from what I've seen in his life, the womanizing and everything else, I highly doubt it. However, George Washington, on the other hand, I don't think the same is the case. And this is important, again, to me. Because I have young children and I I want to teach them history. I think history through the Adventist lens is extremely important. And I also think it's extremely important that we're balanced in our views. And I want to give my children, I want to tell them the whole story. And give them the whole story. And I want to give them the most true story that I possibly can. So I lean on the, the spirit of prophecy and the Bible... Especially when it comes to these things. So, again, it fits prophecy. Chris Pinto, who came up with this documentary showing some of these uh, quite awful things that were said by some of these individuals in his documentary called The Hidden Faith of of Our Fathers. Just keep in mind that Chris Pinto since then has somewhat altered his view, at least in part. Because he's come up with his most recent documentary, is called The True Christian History of America, where he talks about individuals like Patrick Henry and Samuel Adams and James Madison. And he traces the, the principles that are in this country back to the Reformation, and I think quite accurately there. So it, it's, it shows that this individual who is a truth seeker and a great researcher, as he researched it out more, uh, came to a more balanced view of the matter. It wasn't just a cut, cut and dry, black and white, these are satanic occultists, and, and that's it. No, it was, it was a more balanced view showing that clearly there were Christians involved, probably many of which we don't know who their names are specifically. But there were many Christians involved, George Mason, Benjamin Rush, John Hancock, who called for fasting and prayers before the Constitutional Convention and and before the Declaration of Independence. Again, you have individuals like Patrick Henry, Samuel Adams, John Quincy Adams later. John Quincy Adams was the one who allowed Mr. Wolfe to preach about the first angel's message to congress where he was warning the world um, you have James Monroe, James Madison John Witherspoon who is a practicing minister so no uh, the Amer- all the American founders are going to be in the second resurrection no that's not true that's not even close to true so one of the things I want to point out and talk about for a second here is Freemasonry. And Freemasonry today is a very uh, evil, Luciferian, and Satanic thing. And, however, back in the 1700s, that wasn't necessarily the case. we got to remember that the Jesuits used to work on the Counter-Reformation much more out in the open. But as Catholic countries began to banish them, starting in 1758, or 1754, rather, with Portugal, Catholic Portugal, then Catholic France, Catholic Spain, Catholic Malta, they all banished the Jesuits. And the Jesuits went underground, as we talked about with the French Revolution. They came out with the Order of the Illuminati. The Order of the Illuminati was meant to infiltrate the Masonic lodges, so that the Jesuits could work through their new organization, the Illuminati, and now the Illuminati, and not the, not the Jesuits or the Jacobins, could be blamed for the problems that were going on in a country. So Jacobinism, the Illuminati, they began to infiltrate the Freemason Lodges. So what was Freemasonry before that? Why, do, why is it that a lot of people who have studied American history and who have studied Freemasonry and are totally convinced that Freemasonry is evil, why are those same people don't have a problem with the fact that there was a lot of founding fathers that were Freemasons? Now, am I saying it's good even back then? No. No, I, I don't think it was. I don't think it's good to be part of a secret society. I don't think it is. However, um, let's learn about the true roots of Freemasonry. This is from a book called Should a Christian Be a Mason? by David W. Daniels. And before, before I go into it, I just want to tell you that he proves here, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that a Christian should not be a Freemason based on their writings. But he gives us a little history on what Freemason is and where it came from starting in page 12 to page 13 he says so what do we know about masonic origins masons were originally qualified active stone workers from guilds in england and scotland they crafted beautiful buildings for centuries up until the late 1500s it was painstaking work a mistake in design measurement or building could cost lives so they had secret signs only taught to people who had reached that level of expertise That way, a contractor would know he had the knowledgeable craftsmen working on the building, even if they had never met before. Or he would know that an apprentice had gained further mastery since the last time they worked together. But the society of craftsmen changed after the last of the stone cathedrals was built. There was no more work, and so no reason to pass down the knowledge and skills of their craft. That was pretty much the end of the stone working masons and their guilds. It is said that about that time, rich, upper class males who liked the idea of a secret society started joining these remaining operative masons. They were received as accepted masons, and soon they changed the group into what many say was something of a gentleman's club. But what about the modern, speculative masonry that we see in the Masonic halls? All over the globe, most agree it started formally in the Grand Lodge of England in 1717. Then the members, primarily accepted masons, were now philosophers in fraternity, not actual stone masons in a guild. So there you have it, folks. Very lackluster, but Freemasonry essentially—well, uh, Masonry was essentially uh, a a secret guild. Where a general contractor could figure out through this uh, special handshakes and gestures and all the stuff that they do, dumb stuff they do, um, actually had somewhat of a purpose, and it was basically a guild. And as uh, the work dried up, and the guild sort of uh, dried up with actually being about masonry you had the accepted Masons come in which were basically sons of royalty that wanted to be a part of this cool club and they got involved and that's why so many founders were a part of this group because they wanted to elevate their chances of promotion so it was something that you would do for your career now again this is why I don't have a problem with someone like George Washington be a Freemason Uh, Being a Freemason, I don't. However, I think it's good, I think it's important to point out that Washington didn't really practice Freemasonry that much, not as much as the Masons today claim that he did. There's a letter written by George Washington to G.W. Snyder in 1798, and GW Snyder was contacting George Washington and talking to him about the Illuminati infiltration into the United States and especially the Freemason lodges so George Washington he was saying that it could be in your lodge you know and George Washington corrected him by basically explaining that he doesn't uh, he doesn't go to lodges and he hasn't been there in many years this is what it says in a letter from George Washington to GW Snyder 1798 George Washington says, The fact is I preside over none, nor have I been in one more than once or twice within the last 30 years. I believe notwithstandings that none of the lodges in this country are contaminated with the principles ascribed to the society of the Illuminati. So two things you have there. One, the case that the Illuminati, uh, which is the Jesuits, were infiltrating the Freemasonry and turning them uh satanic from within where it was just a club before there's some evidence there one two also that george washington hadn't been to one or two he went to a couple meetings in the last 30 years which means he had barely gone so he wasn't really practicing and if we are going to um you know put washington on the hook for for freemasonry should we do this should should we not do the same to william miller what about him he was a freemason but he came out of it and he also has a similar quote where he basically says he actually says freemasonry is evil and he hadn't been in a long time but i wanted to read to you what's most important here is what the spirit of prophecy has to say about it this is where we get our ultimate balance so Many individuals today will say George Washington, he was a Freemason, therefore he's an occultist and a Luciferian. This is from Ellen White in the Health Reformer, the periodical, April 1st, 1880. This is what she says. Now, if you're a Seventh-day Adventist, this is what the Holy Spirit says about George Washington. Listen. The training which the mother of Samuel gave her son developed in him sterling moral worth which connected him with God. If the mother of Washington had been of a frivolous character devoting the talents of her mind to the matters of dress and what she should eat and drink, her son George would not have become a man of firm will and moral power. His mother gave him the lessons which he carried into practical life. She inspired him with the principles of stern integrity that would not be bribed. So George Washington, according to God himself, was a man of firm will and moral power. Doesn't sound like a Luciferian to me. Doesn't sound like an occultist to me. In fact, I know that the Holy Spirit would never highlight somebody who actually was one of those things he would not highlight them like this. Would not talk about Thomas Paine like this. Quite the contrary. Napoleon's not spoken of like this. David Hume and the other philosophers and Voltaire and, and these individuals who, who hated God and were deistic and atheistic and all this stuff, they're not talked about like this. But you have Seventh-day Adventists and you have many Christians. They beat down the Founding Fathers and say that they were this and they were that and at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're taking man's word over the word of the Holy Spirit, because anybody who uh, is has their conscience captive to the word of God and the spirit of prophecy must admit that George Washington was a man of firm will and moral power and nothing less than that. And if they if they can't do that, then they're they don't believe in the spirit of prophecy and again we can agree to disagree and I, I think it's it, it, it's more of a side issue however again, I get I think this is important because I think history is important and when we don't understand history properly it can confuse us in the future and the same mistakes can be made you know those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it you know the the jingle but This issue of the Founding Fathers all being Luciferians, it's just not true. It's not even close to true. And it's not validated, it's not vindicated by the spirit of prophecy. I want to read to you another quote where Mrs. White talks about the founders of the American uh, Constitution, Declaration of Independence, the founders of the United States, in the Great Controversy. This is the 1888 version, page 442. It says, Such action would be directly contrary to the principles of this government, to the genius of its free institutions, to the direct and solemn avows of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. The founders of the nation wisely sought to guard against employment of secular power on the part of the church, with its inevitable result, intolerance and persecution. So the Holy Spirit is saying that the founders of this nation were wise. God is saying someone's wise. That doesn't sound, again, It doesn't sound like a Luciferian to me. It's uh, the founders are being spoken of, so is the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. They're being spoken of in a very respectful tone. Why can't we mimic this? why why do we why do we claim that the founders were occultists and Luciferians and this and that and then go around telling other Adventists that oh yes they were this they were that and they were all evil and wicked when the Holy Spirit and Mrs. White is using a respectful tone to describe them why why is that not good enough for us and again if we have a disagreement silence is golden on the issue She goes on, says, the Constitution provides that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, and that no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office of public trust under the United States. Only in flagrant violation of these safeguards to the nation's liberty can any religious observance be enforced by civil authority. And I want to read one more quote, Mrs. White, on Isaac Newton, because although Isaac Newton's not a founder, uh, a lot of people say he's an occultist, whereas Mrs. White, uh, again, speaks about the man in a very respectful tone, which clearly, as far as I'm concerned, when the Holy Spirit highlights somebody in a respectful tone, as, as is done here in the uh, book Education, page 133, the Holy Spirit doesn't highlight Satanists. In this way so keep that in mind he who studies most deeply into the mysteries of nature will realize most fully his own ignorance and weakness he will realize that there are depths and heights which he cannot reach secrets which he cannot penetrate vast fields of truth lying before him unentered he will be ready to say with Newton I seem to myself to have been like a child on the seashore finding pebbles and shells While the great ocean of truth lay undiscovered before me. Again, that's education, page 133. And clearly, the connotation, the the tone, is that Isaac Newton was humble. Being highlighted as a humble person here. Not an occultist. Not a wicked, evil man. But that's what a lot of people want to believe. It's, It's simply not that clear. It's not a black and white issue. Were there true christians in the founding of this country absolutely many of them were many of them were um were there deists and occultists as well yes they were there and they actually happened to be in the minority at least at least not in the majority enough to change the major outcome of the creation of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Unfortunately, Georgia and South Carolina were the two countries that refused to abolish slavery when it was it was so close to being abolished. And what a different history we could have had. But anyways, that's it for today. I know I went a little bit over time, but um just interesting to me. I always love history. I always like getting into history, but that's a balanced view of the Founders. That's a balanced view of history. That's a, that's a history according to the great controversy and according to the spirit of prophecy as well as any researcher who's willing to honestly look at the facts. I'm Cody Morin. you've been listening to Truth Triumphant Radio. We'll catch you next week. God bless.